So why? Why would we record? Why would we publish an episode on the nativity after Christmas? Well, because this is not after Christmas. This is Christmas. We are in that season. It is that time. And we must continue with the octave. Let's go. Welcome to the Dude Catholic Podcast. I'm your co-host Adrian here with a few men who know what happened to the wooden car. It wouldn't go. <laughs> okay. Oh, and cringier every week. Uh, Javier Sandoval. Dennis. Hello world, it's Corey again. Yeah. That's right. Our scripture today comes from... Luke chapter 2, verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Mm. Delicious. Delicious indeed. So let's get this podcast on the road. Today we are going to be talking about the nativity. You couldn't make that out from the scripture. Since I have the least to say, I'm going to start. I'm going to get this going. So, the my and where I get the most uh, the most wisdom from is from praying the Saint Joseph Novena, and in praying that Novena, the first part is a, a little bit of catechesis. You know, yeah. as you're as we're praying, we're meditating upon the life of Saint Joseph, yeah. and and one of the the things that had the biggest impact of me was was the, just a constant reminder as I go over that Novena time and time again that that God did not choose to bring his son to, to the halls of princes or, or the halls of the learned. You know, he brought him and he was born in a place where there was no room for them. Mm. You know, and we're still struggling to make room for him in our lives. Mm. And as we're in this season, you know, I'm thinking about that. And how, how is it that we're, that we're making room for him in our hearts? Uh, so that's, that's the, guiding, the guiding thought. I don't know where you guys were you know, thinking about this uh, before before starting this podcast, but, but that's where I'm gonna I'm gonna drop the hot potato on Javier's hands. Yeah, I, I was thinking about Ricky Bobby and the baby Jesus. <laughs> yes. Very which, deep, deep thoughts. This is this is why we get the reviews we get. Here. Which which I think which I think goes with your joke about the wooden car that wouldn't go. Hey. Oh, you saw the connection. You yeah, saw yeah, the yeah. connection. Hey, you know, we got a we got a scaffold, you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Teachers. Uh, I'm gonna pass it over to to our our guest, uh, Corey Fajardo. Uh, Adrian, you were talking about the, you know, it didn't come in the Hall of Princes. And uh, it reminded me of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis talks about how he was, uh, Jesus was snuck clandestinely behind enemy lines mm. and, uh, and how Jesus could have, could have come down as a great king, great ruler, great general, but he didn't. He came down as a vulnerable child, completely putting his life in the hands of 
the, the Blessed Mother and Joseph to raise him. And how this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament in, in the preparation for the New Covenant. The New Kingdom has come. And so I think what I'm going to focus on this Advent after you just brought this up is being vulnerable, opening myself up to God and looking forward to a new liturgical year and uh, to the New Covenant and a new, new beginnings. So I, I would like to just focus on the fact that um, when we're actually going to Christmas Mass, right? And maybe that's why it's called Christmas, because uh, it's Christ Mass, the Mass of Christ. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, the one that people go to, uh, you know, once or twice a year. But no, anyway, uh, on a serious note. Um, I only go to one Christmas Mass a year. Yeah, but I'm talking about you know, one or two Masses. I'm just being a the, you're, Dennis is... Dennis is talking about the CEO Catholics. They go to Correct. Christmas, Thank Easter, you, and Ob Holy Days of Obligation. Exactly right. Nice. <laughs> so, um, so basically, no, not nice, right? You want to go every Sunday to Mass for those who don't go who are listening. Um, and Holy Day of Obligation. Right? So with that being the case, um, when we go to Christmas Mass, we should actually be going with that spirit of... Um, if we were at the manger and Christ was, was there born, right? What kind of reverence, what kind of awe would we have? And why, we, and why don't we have it when we go to Christmas, right? Christ, right? The mass of Christ that we go to uh, every year. Uh, some people go on, you know, right on midnight, uh, which is when I love to go, I go to a beautiful Basilica here uh, in Western New York. And, um, you know, it's it's packed, filled to the brim, right? It's out the doors, uh, over you know, well over a thousand people, and yet there is uh, there's Christ right there on the altar, right, being born for us, if you will, in His resurrected form, however, uh, in the Eucharist, and we should have that same awe, right, going to Mass. Um, so, thanks. Solid intros, very solid intros. It got me got got the wheels turning really quick over here. Um, but yeah, uh, just, just picking up on that, why don't we feel this way? Why don't we react this way, you know, when we go to Mass? One of the things that I was thinking about when we were talking about Advent was that it happens all the time. You know, as I'm getting older, the years pass by so much quicker. And one of the things that, that happens that when we, when we hear the same joke over and over, it stops being funny. You know, when when you tell a cringy dad joke that you probably heard in a, you know, so many times before, you, you stop laughing at it. You know, and so so when you think about about how repetitive our faith is, you know, it's easy, it's easy for people that, you know, who like me may not have that deep insight, you know, may not may not be so reflective um, to just kind of bypass it and be like, OK, here we go again. You know, it's time to be distracted by everything that's around me and yeah. and not really pay attention to what's what should be going on in my heart. Um, so I, I guess I guess it's a way of challenging ourselves to to look at this with new eyes. Yeah. You know, uh, I think last time we were we were talking about about the posadas as I was raised uh, not in this country. You know, I was I was raised in Tijuana, Mexico. How we would go to these posadas and the whole community would get involved and. And when I think about it now, I kind of have a, a something's going on in my heart, you know, like I'm missing that wax melting on my hand as I as we were outside in the cold singing um, 
singing the story of the nativity. You know how they were there was no room for them anywhere people would refuse them access to to a place to stay the night and then eventually they find that place you know not not the fanciest place to be at especially for the god of all creation you know and if we if we're carrying this idea with us and if we allow god to to kind of just bust the doors open in the old crusty hearts of ours okay maybe it's just me um but if I just give him permission, if I just kind of let him in the end, you know, like let him in, let him in, you know, even if, if it's a little corner, you know, I think, I think things will change. Things will be different. And I can say the last Christmas was, was like that for me. Um, I just gave him permission. All, all we have to do is give him permission to do what he wants to do in our hearts. You know, and all of a sudden the, uh, awe and wonder of the music, of the decorations, of the, of whatever is in our hearts, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll light everything up. And one of the things that, that saves me is my kids, you know, because when I see my kids like enjoying, not just, not just the presence, you know, it's, it's funny because I think my wife and I think too much of the presence um, and they really don't care. Like they're, they're excited about Jesus. Like they're excited to sing happy birthday to Jesus on December 25th, you know? They're excited to, to sing at mass because my oldest daughter and my wife both sing at, at, at mass. And so it's just, it's, it's special, you know, it's really special. And I think family life is one of those things that saves us a lot because otherwise we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a chance. Like some of us would not have a chance. Some of us would shut down so quickly and, and we would not give God any room in our I want to kind of go back to the, the incarnation. I want to talk about the incarnation, the why of the incarnation. What is the incarnation? The incarnation is um, God becoming man, incarnate, right? Uh, taking on flesh. Why would God become man? And God, who is all powerful, right? Why would he become lowly? Why would he dwell in broken human nature, in tainted, sinful human nature, um, and that, that's a mystery, right? But, but the answer is very simple, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, is because he is good. He is good, and obviously, he came to redeem us, right? And, and another reason is, I think also, which is we could talk about this a little more in depth, and we can kind of go around and see everybody's opinion if, if that's the case. I, I also want to add the fact that I think God became man because he wanted to gain a knowledge which he didn't have. And you're like, well, wait, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> Heresy, <laughs> Heresy alert. Uh, what knowledge did he not have? Experiential knowledge. He didn't have the knowledge of experiencing humanity. He knew humanity to its fullness, but he never had experienced humanity. He had never been a human being. Um, so I, I, I think we could touch on that a little more, um, but... It was expected that God would become man or eventually dwell among us, even among the Jews. Now, you ask yourself, if that's the case, then why did the Jews reject Jesus? Well, they didn't reject him because it was impossible for God to become man. They rejected him, in my opinion, and um, along with the many saints, because he came to us lowly, poor, humble, born in a trough, in a, excuse me, in a, in a manger, right? In a, in a barn, whatever, cave. 
And that to the Jews was preposterous, right? They couldn't accept the fact that the King of Kings, the Messiah, would come to us humble and poor, right? So that I think that I, I want to kind of open up that conversation. Another conversation I also want to open up is the necessity of the incarnation, uh, one that's greatly debated, right? Would Jesus become Jesus? Would the Son of God become incarnate if it wasn't for us sinning against God or for original sin? Um, right? Like the, the, the hymn says, that the Easter vigil, oh, happy fault that brought about a, 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 a redeemer. Um, and that's a Thomistic thought. And I, I, I kind of side here with the, the Duns Scotus schooling that says that Jesus would have still, or the Son of God would have still became incarnate, uh, regardless whether Adam and Eve would have committed original sin. I think so. I don't think the necessity of uh, the incarnation depends on sin, um, because that would also mean that, what about Mary? Right. And then we get the conversation about Mary and, and her role in in just humanity and salvation or in God's, you know, family. What about Mary as well? And, and Joseph and, and so on and so forth. Right. What would have been their role if, if obviously Jesus would have never been incarnate? And, you know, you get into all that. And I think that um, regardless of whether they, they would have been sin or not, Jesus would have still became man to what? First, to experience, to have that experiential knowledge, but I think also to elevate our humanity, um, right? So, Javier, I like what you're saying. I think that it's it's awesome. And and Adrian as well. I mean, there's so much to build off of. I'm sure Corey is ready to explode with information as well, uh, which I'll <laughs> hand off to him very quickly. Uh, no, I, I say that seriously. I'm saying, like, there's so much to build off of. I guess I'll just briefly touch on a certain a few a few different points I heard and then and then give it to Corey as a handoff. Uh, let's go Buffalo, right? So um, anyway, uh, with that, with that being the case, uh, what we're gonna say here is I, I think for one with Adrian, I just want to point out the fact that yeah, if people don't understand the reality of the holy sacrifice that every time you're present at Calvary, right? It's like time travel, as we may have spoke about before, um, that, that, that present moment at Calvary with, with Mary and John, the evangelist, it, it, it comes to us at every church, every mass we go to, and that we need to be constantly renewed by that. And there's so much mystery and depth to it. It's like the ocean, right? There's like uh, an infinite amount of uh, new discoveries to be made. Um, internally. And that's, you know, we talk about the nine levels of prayer. We talk about all of that, but maybe we could say that for a, a specialized episode uh, regarding what Javier said. I think that um, there's so many things to be said. I was actually thinking Javier about the book um, by St. Athanasius, the great on the incarnation. It's called, right? It's a small little book. I recommend anybody. To, I think Javier, I have it in my notes. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's called On the Incarnation by St. Athanasius. He's an early church father, uh, Eastern father, in fact. And I have the book right next to me as well. And, you know, it's an awesome book. I recommend it for anybody. It really will blow your mind um, and how intelligent, you know, the, the church fathers were and on the issue of the incarnation, right, to why Christ needed to become incarnate. 
And maybe again, I'll let Corey talk more about that um, or Javier, but it's a beautiful book. I recommend that. And ironically, if I'm using that term correctly here, you know, I've been reading a Bible in a year and, you know, I'm, I'm behind a couple months uh, in relationship to the, uh, the day to the month and everything like that. But um, ultimately I'm still in Isaiah. I'm in Isaiah, what, 43 or 44, a lot of chapters there and the book of wisdom and first Corinthians. So in, in that, you know, Isaiah is jam packed with prophecies on the incarnation. In fact, if you ask many of the Jews, um, from what I've gathered from my own personal limited study on it, it seems like they don't like the book of Isaiah very much, or they don't like to quote from it or read from it very often, because there are so many prophecies in there that have been uh, specifically and precisely fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and and no one else would make any sense, right? Um, if you read those prophecies, and of course, the virgin birth that we talked that we spoke about last week, right, with Advent and Isaiah, or the beginning of Isaiah, right? And so um, with all that being said, um, you have also in the book of wisdom, prophecies of the Messiah, which I was uh, baffled by, even though I've read it before, you know, the word of God is, is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And I think that uh, it speaks to you every time. And so with that being the case, right, I want people to realize uh, a lot of people don't focus on this very often, but there are so many prophecies for the coming of the Christ um, that are either explicit or implicit in the Old Testament um, that will blow your mind if you look at all of them, right? And maybe, again, one of you guys can touch about uh, touch on it tonight, but I think that um, what we need to focus on is the fact that those prophecies have been fulfilled in the city of David, right? Um, which was prophesied, again, that the Messiah would come through the line of David, right? And David was born in Bethlehem. Jesus Christ is born in Bethlehem, small little town. I think it's what southeast of, uh, of a mile or two southeast of uh, Jerusalem. It means house of bread, right? And then we can get into the whole Eucharistic element of it that, you know, Jesus turns bread into his very body at the Last Supper. Uh, I mean, I mean, there are volumes written on this, right? Um, but we don't have time for all that. But I did want to point that out, right? Uh, the stump of Jesse, which is the father of David, and Jesus being called son of David so many times in the Gospels. Um, and so, um, Corey, I'll hand it off to you. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dennis. I have you right. I'm, <clears throat> I almost did literally explode from all the information <laughs> that I'm holding on to because I have my notes here and I have my response to Adrian, then my response to Javier, and now my response to you, which could just keep going. So I'll, I'll try to keep it as pithy as possible, but as, as you know, short and to the point as I can. Um, first, Adrian, uh, you were talking about letting Christ in just the littlest bit and, you know, your family and the importance of family during the holidays and things like that. And it reminded me of G.K. Chesterton. He has a chapter in Orthodoxy, which talks about the great paradoxes of Christianity. And if there's one message that I want to, or one theme that I want to thread through this my talking point is that Christianity is a great paradox. The more love you give away, the more you receive, the more faith you have in God and give that to him, the more you receive, the more you pour yourself out into the faith, the more that God will raise you up through sanctifying grace. And so it's this whole idea of the more I give, the more I receive, not the more I hold on to, the more I receive, which then gets into Javier's point about why did Jesus become man? And it's a great paradox, again, because a debt is owed to God on behalf of man. 
Man cannot pay back the debt. Only God can pay back the debt to himself, but it has to be paid back by a man. That's the paradox. So only God can become man to pay back the debt as man, but also to be able to fulfill it through, as God. And so something to consider, I know we're talking about Advent, but you know when we talk about the crucifixion is that when Christ offers himself up as a sacrifice, he doesn't just pay off all of the debt for all the sins that had been committed in the world up until that point. His blood is so, is so valuable in paying back this ransom. St. Paul consistently talks about, you know, paying back this ransom um, is that it pays off every single sin that will ever happen for all of you, for the rest of humanity. Uh, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness and confession. And so again, a great paradox. And the more you give, the more you receive the paradox of Christ becoming God, becoming man. And um, uh, Javier, you said that Christ, you know, God, God wanted to experience uh, in, in a way, in a way he knew the fullness of the experience of, of humanity, but he wanted to live it out and manifest it here and now in, in our time. And I think one thing that he wanted to experience for a very important point was suffering. Yeah, so was, was that, yes, that God is not the reason why suffering is in the world. Man is, and, and Satan and the fallen angels are, but God enters into time to suffer so that you can never point to God and say, you don't know what that's like, God. You don't know what that's like to, 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 to suffer physically or emotionally or mentally or to have friends turn against you because he absolutely knows exactly what those things feel like. And so and he, he can do it from the human perspective. And then to Dennis's point, yeah, the Davidic kingdom. I mean, if you want to, if, if you want to know the fullness of the nativity scene, then yet you have to see the connection back to the Davidic kingdom. In his uh, Life of Christ book, uh, Archbishop Holton Sheen opens up the book by saying, Jesus Christ is the only religious figure to ever have been prophesied about before his coming, which is a sign of royalty. Uh, when, in ancient times, when kings would go to enter another kingdom or another land, they would send messengers ahead to tell the, the, the king that another king was on his way. And this is all life of Christ, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen saying that God was sending messengers through the prophets for years, for hundreds of years before to say, prepare the world for I'm coming. And then boom, he's on the scene in the nativity and he fulfills all the prophecies. Like Dennis says, he's the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom. Uh, this is why Matthew in, the, in, in his genealogy immediately trace first book of the new testament first chapter of the new testament already we're getting the connection that jesus christ is the fulfillment of the prophecy uh, here to fulfill the davidic kingdom and establish a new and everlasting kingdom Javier said it the jewish people do not accept jesus christ as the messiah part of it is because they see him as a political messiah and they see him as exactly what you were saying somebody who's strong who's supposed to come be a king and a warrior in a political sense but Jesus is the complete opposite. He's king of kings, lord of lord, prophets of prophets, priest of priests, warrior of warriors in a spiritual sense. He establishes a spiritual kingdom that cannot be touched by the, by the, the, the material world. There's nothing that this world can do to, to knock his kingdom down. It is promised to last forever. That was the uh, promise given to David by God, that his kingdom would have no end. Amen. And I pass that back up. <laughs> hey, hallelujah. Boom. <laughs> Beautiful. Boy. That wasn't enough. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna keep this going on the next episode.
just to close, uh, to close this or to put a comma on this conversation. When you brought up, when you brought up Chesterton, that's, that's my boy, man. <laughs> I mean, I say that about, I say that about everyone that, that we're bringing up. I mean, you, you can't, you can't separate this conversation from St. Athanasius, C.S. Lewis and Chesterton. Adrian, I mean, just, you, you and I connect on Father Chad. We connect on Archbishop Fulton Sheen and now Chesterton. So I like your repertoire. Yeah. yeah it's, well, it's, it's here, man. The party. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, one, something that I, that I read um, some time ago, and I think I found, I found a little snippet of it, that God incorporated himself in our humanity and incorporated our humanity into his humanity. And that's the element of suffering you were talking about. But we will, like I said, put a comma on this and come back on the other end next week. Join us next time and pray for us. As we pray for you. Ferrum. Ferrum. Aquitur.